0: we do welcome you to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Richard Durrington, and your host, as always, is Fred. October has been a month of joy and encouragement in the celebration of our first anniversary. Our focus will change slightly. God's comfort is our intention. When our greatest need is solace, it awaits us in the Word of God. The Bible does not aggrandize the lives of biblical characters, yet they are examples of consolation in the deepest valleys of sorrow. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope.
1: Welcome again to day 22 of our 30 days of encouragement in October. As you'll recall, we switched yesterday from just straight encouragement to comfort for the souls who are hurting, which is, as we know, every one of us from time to time. I do pray you found yesterday's episode helpful and comforting, and that's what we're going to try to do. And one of the ways we're going to try to do that is to take a look, and what we want to do is get a little deeper into the events of their lives and their possible meanings and their possible effects on the characters that we're talking about. So today we're going to look at the life specifically of Sarai, Sarah, Abram, Abraham's wife, because he would become Abraham. We're going to look at them both in tandem, but today we're going to focus on Sarai, and tomorrow we're going to focus on Sarai. So what we're going to do, what we're going to try to do is break down the lives of Abraham and Sarah a little bit and see what pressures they might have been dealing with. Now, if you're looking for a verse which says specifically, Abram and or Sarai were suffering from depression, you won't find one. And so I want to be careful about that, but if you take a look at the biblical record it will at least lead us to a greater understanding of why both Sarai and Abraham made some of the terrible choices that they made. When we are not feeling good or in the throes of depression, we can make some bad choices. And human nature is human nature. So as we break down the events of the lives of Abram and Sarai, I can't help but believe the key choices that both of them made were influenced by the pressures that they were under even if they didn't rise to depression. Now, as we move forward today, I do want to tell you as well that I believe Abraham's bad decision, which is probably not what you're thinking it is. And of course, those are my thoughts about what his worst decision was. But they're a much deeper spiritual sin than Sarai's, I think. You can hear and listen and tell me what you think if you'd like. And along with our cautionary tale, we will see Because of who God is, there is great news and some truth that we can use for our comfort and our solace, even as we follow our exhortation from yesterday and to give him, to give God one more day. Now, to do that, we want to take a look at a quick history of Sarai and Abraham, and then we want to look at the pressures that actually both of them were under, but we're going to focus on uh, Sarai today. Now, as we move along with the history, we see that Abraham and Sarai were called to move from their country. Now, it took me many years to put this all together, but God talked to Abraham, Abram, not Sarai. And when we see tomorrow, when we take a look at the legacy of Sarai, we'll see the meaning of that. But he asked them to move. He told them he would make a great nation out of them and that he would protect them. Now, at this point in time, Abram, would have been 75 years old, which means that Sarai was about 65 years old, 10 years younger than Abram. And so they moved. And it wasn't even as easy as it is today to move. So you can imagine that stress. And then on their way, and you remember the story, Abram used Sarai as bait. He told her, basically, I don't want them to kill me. So if you tell them you're my sister, they won't kill me. They may take you but they won't kill me which of course they did the king of the region took sarah sarai and then she was saved which was awesome nothing happened to her while she was there we may talk about that later as well but she was also called to be a great mother that was part of the promises that god gave so the second round of promises to abram and his family and his legacy sarah was included in that as well or sarai and after several years Sarah made the decision that we're talking about. The decision that I think she was pressured into making. He gave her handmaid Hagar to Abraham to try to have a baby with. And he did. And he did. Now, as we move along, one of the things that is true in a careful reading of the book of Genesis is in the end, Abraham did have concubines. He left them some of his some of his inheritance. But I take it from this scriptural record, from the whole scriptural record, that I don't think he had any before Hagar. And I don't think he had any until after Sarah died. So this decision she was so moved to make would have been very hard and probably normally unacceptable to her. But she had the pressures. She had the pressures of moving. She had the pressures of being married to exalted father. At least that's one of the translations that I read for Abram. And when, he, when his name was changed to Abraham, it was the father of many. And she was married to him. And she didn't have any babies. So she made the decision, the faithful decision, to have Abraham make a baby with her handmaid Hagar. And as we could have expected or probably predicted, after Hagar and Abraham did were going to have a baby, now Sarai hated Hagar. And then she kicked her out, kicked Hagar out. But because of God's protection, Hagar returned. Ishmael was born shortly after Ishmael's birth. Abram was turned to Abraham, the father of many. And Sarai had her name changed, as best I can tell, from my princess to the princess. And again, she was promised to be the mother of nations. And then when Ishmael was about 13 years old, God promised Abraham again and said, In one year you will have a baby with Sarah." And we don't want to get into the details for this here right now. But they'd been waiting a long time, and both of them laughed. And then, in the intervening year, at some point, Sarah was given as bait again. Can you imagine being married to a man like that, being childless? Except for maybe the legal child through Ishmael, or through Hagar, Ishmael. And then, as God predicted, as God promised, In Genesis 18, Isaac was born. Now at that point, Sarah kicks Hagar out for good. And God tells Abraham he's going to take care of Ishmael. And he tells Hagar he's going to take care of Ishmael. But you can see from my math, it was about 35 years that she had to wait for Isaac to be born. After promises, several promises to her husband, Abraham, who related these events to her, And he had to have been excited as he related them to her. And we're never told any of these conversations that they had together, but can you imagine the conversations that they had together? She lived 35 years with all those promises that weren't fulfilled. She had all those 35 years without any children. And we wanted to take just a quick look at that as well because she lived in a culture where women having children was critical. Part of men's wealth, we know from Job, was counted because of his children, Jacob the same. She didn't have any children, and she had all those promises. And often I think about the promises of God and our waiting on them and the discouragement that the biblical characters must have faced like we face. Joseph being promised to be ruler, Abraham waiting all this time for his children, and there are pressures to that, and there are pressures that bring you down. In that circumstance. And if we take a look real quick, we can. one of the examples that we want to look at is Leah. She ended up being Jacob's wife, one of his wives, but she had two issues. She had two problems, unlike Sarah. The first one is, can you imagine being so ugly that you knew your dad would have to trick somebody into marrying you? So no wonder when she started having children and not Rachel, she started rejoicing. And even in the names of her children, Reuben was named to communicate, now my husband will love me. And when that didn't happen, and she had her second baby, Simeon, the name was meant to communicate, now my husband will love me. I have given him another child. And by her third child, and by her third child, she is now settling just to be attracted she says, now my husband will be attracted to me. She's given up on love. She would just like him to pay a little attention to her other than having babies. And Rachel felt the pressure as her sister was having babies. She demanded at one point that Jacob give her a child. Jacob says, am I God? What am I going to do? But all the way through the history of biblical culture or the culture in which the Bible was written, we see that pressure. Hannah felt that pressure. Samson's mom she's not even mentioned, but she waited years for Samson to be born. And even down to the New Testament, Elizabeth, when she found out, she didn't know it was going to be John the Baptist. She may have. (laughs) At some point, she knew she was going to name him John. But when she found out she was pregnant, this is what she said. This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. So all this time, Sarai was feeling disgraced. She didn't have children. She didn't have children with someone named the Exalted Father. And so she made her choice. Now, I can't imagine she wasn't depressed as she made that choice, but maybe she wasn't. And she found out very quickly, even if it was a calculated decision, that it was an unfulfilling decision. She hated Hagar because Hagar could have a baby. But Ishmael was not what God had promised. And I believe on some level she had to know that, she had to sense that at least. This couldn't be what God was talking about, as she had to have heard from Abram that God said she would be a mother, she would be a mother of many nations. I believe she had to have sensed that Ishmael was not that promise, he was not the fulfillment of that promise. And if you really break that down, she had to also look at Hagar having that baby, and with that baby, into nursing that baby. And by now, in all balance of probabilities, Hagar was viewed more special than her mistress, for she was able to have Abraham's baby. And Sarai couldn't. It had been at least 20 years since the first promises to the birth of Ishmael. And we're looking at the consequences of not waiting one more day. And I know it's hard, and we talked about this yesterday. And I have acted rashly, very rashly in my life a lot of times in that depression, but there were consequences. And that's what we've been looking at. And then on top of feeling unfulfilled or feeling unfulfilled, having to look at Hagar with this baby, probably being seen as less now than Hagar. She also had to look at Abraham and Ishmael. He raised that boy. He loved that boy. In fact, on I think the third promise, Abraham said, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And that's what we're going to talk about when we get to Abraham. So no matter what Sarah thought about Ishmael, Abraham loved him, took it seriously, and raised him. And when the command came for circumcision, he circumcised him. To Abraham, Ishmael was the promise for a very long time. Now, she had strife in her family. That had to cause strife in her marriage. Read the story of Jacob and Leah and Rachel and see the kind of strife that was there. So there was strife. In fact, when she kicks him out for good, when she kicks Hagar out for good, she has to demand that Abraham do it. And she did it because Ishmael looked on with disfavor or looked with disfavor on Isaac. And not only that, the consequences of her actions are part of the strife that has been in the Middle East for hundreds of years. And Sarai was pushed into an untenable situation, and probably her feelings had a lot to do with it. And because of that pressure, external pressure that she internalized she had to have, we all understand that she couldn't wait. She couldn't give God one more day. And giving God one more day, waiting for Him to fulfill His promises, is so terribly important. Isaac was the fulfillment of that promise. Isaac loved his mother deeply, but she had many years of trouble because she didn't wait. And I know, again, the pressures you're facing, sometimes we think the pressures we have now are different or greater than the pressures that Abraham and Sarai had. They weren't. And in our particular culture, probably not even close to the pressures that Sarai faced, being a woman who couldn't have babies. And then she had to wonder about the promises of God. And we talked about that a little bit yesterday too. There's sometimes we doubt. Now we have the exhortation to wait one more day. And there's great blessing and great fruit when we do. So in the book of Hebrews, we read this, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. And very often, waiting one more day, waiting on God, waiting for his promises, as we saw David say yesterday, is his will, not moving ahead with our own plans. Now, tomorrow, we're going to look at the great and wonderful news that the life of Sarah gives us. So it's not bad news. In fact, it reminds me of a quote from Winston Churchill. And he said this, Success is never final. Failure is never fatal. It is courage that counts. And even for us Christians, we need that exhortation to show the courage to come back for another day, to wait for another day. Because God is working, you need to know that. You need to cling to that. I need to cling to that when I'm at the depths of my emotion. His promises may be slow, but they are sure. And most of the time, we can't figure them out. We may try. But most of the time, he does what he's going to do in wildly different ways than we expect. And that's glorious, and we thank him for that. And even the event that kicked all this off last week was the fulfillment of all the four things, several things actually, that I had been worrying about for weeks. And he did it differently than I had expected, certainly better than if I'd have made the plan, but our soul exalts when we see him work. So, while we're waiting for tomorrow and we're waiting for Sarai's good news, please make the commitment to wait. Pray for encouragement to keep waiting one more day. Pray for the strength of God to keep waiting one more day. Pray and accept God's will. And that's how we carry on, my dear friends, as we're working through our motions, our emotions, as we're waiting on God. We know and believe He's working. We understand the promises that he's made. We make the commitment, just like Daniel, to do the right thing. And then we pray for encouragement and power. Now, when you see the wonderful news tomorrow about Sarah, it's twofold. It's going to be the results, but it's also going to be something else. But we will see that great news for Sarah and for us. Again, I'm praying for you. I don't even know who you are, most of you, but I'm praying for you. So until tomorrow, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and to give you peace.
0: Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Free Range Preacher. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for our next broadcast coming up soon. For Fred and myself, this is Richard Durrington saying make it a godly, fun-filled day.